Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm guest bailiff Scott Adsit. This week, coming out of the supply closet, Ben and Sarah are co-workers, friends, and most recently, lovers. They've kept their office romance a secret for months, and Ben thinks it's time to go public. Sarah says it's more fun to sneak around and wants to keep their relationship a covert operation. Who is right? Who is wrong? Only one man can decide. Please rise as the Honorable Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Look, Sarah, I know you care about him. I have never seen you like this about anyone, so please don't take it wrong when I tell you that I believe that guest bailiff Scott Adsit, while a very nice guy, is the devil. And what do you think the devil is going to look like if he's around? Nobody's going to be taken in if he has a long red pointy tail. No, I'm semi-serious here. He will look attractive, and he will be nice and helpful, and he will get a job where he influences a great God-fearing nation, and he will never do an evil thing. He will just, bit by little bit, lower standards where they are important, just coax along, flash over substance just a tiny bit, and he will talk about all of us really being salesmen, and he'll get all the great women there, I Buried the lead. Swear him in, Scott. Ben and Sarah, please raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that Judge Hodgman only understands human desire on a conceptual level, and while he finds it quaint, he himself has reached a plateau beyond its shackles? I do. I do. Thank you both. Judge John Hodgman proceeds. Ben, Sarah, thank you for joining the court today. For an immediate summary judgment, can either of you name the specific piece of culture I was paraphrasing as I entered the court today when I called guest bailiff Scott Adsit the devil for compromising the world uh, with 30 Rock? Ben? Um yeah, I think this relates to my namesake, Ben Affleck. Uh, maybe this was Geely that you were quoting? Uh, no, it was not. Actually, I've never seen that movie. Interesting. I'll have to take a look at that. Uh, Sarah, do you have any guesses? Uh, alas, I don't. No, because you're... Sir, both- I do. Oh, do, do you guess Bill Scott Adsit? May I? Yes, please. Uh, I believe that was Albert Brooks being robbed of an Oscar in broadcast news. Absolutely right. And do you know why Yes, Bill Scott Adsit knew that? Ben and Sarah? Because he's a movie nerd? Because he's an old person like me. (laughs) And you are young people in love. Is that not so? It's the case. Um, You're young people in like? Could we say that at least? I think that's appropriate. I think this case just judged itself. What what are your ages, if I may ask? Uh, I'm 24. Okay. I'm 24 as well. Oh, perfect. This is getting better and better. And Sarah, you both work together. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And do the people at your uh, place of work know your first names? They do. <laughs> oh, do, they, do they know the sounds of your voices? Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> are, they, are they capable of listening to podcasts, or are they all deaf? That, I mean, that remains to be seen. I see. They, they haven't discovered the internet yet. All right. Now, I, I'm, I'm actually just trying to figure out, it only just occurred to me now, that while at this moment your relationship is a secret, certainly by the time this podcast is podcasted, uh, it will no longer be a secret. So now I'm wondering whether or not this is a legitimate dispute or whether or not you're just buzz marketing your office romance to your office mates. Which is it? Um, I I actually don't think, regrettably, I I don't think that they listen to this particular podcast. That is a reasonable answer. 
So Ben, you two work together. You are consultants. Is that correct? That's correct. Economic consultants. Economic consultants. Economic consultants. Economic consultants. Let's call the whole thing off. Uh, and uh, and so that means you uh, you work in an office that has clients that pay you a lot of money to give them advice for which you are not accountable. Sure. All right. Nice job. Nice work if you can get it. Uh, and when and how long have you worked there, Ben? Uh, about a year and three months now. Oh, okay. And is this uh, uh, and Sarah? How long have you worked there? Oh, just about the same amount of time. Oh my gosh. You guys are even Steven. Same age, no seniority in any in any sense. Uh, you guys have the same birthday? Oh, are you brother and sister? <laughs> no? Okay. I'm actually, I'm, I'm, oh no, Ben's older. Ben's a little bit I older. always keep thinking that I'm the older one. Oh, okay. Are you uh, the more mature one? Uh, I'd hope that'd be the case. Maybe I'm also the smarter one. Oh, well, let me ask you this question. You guys began a relationship in this office, or you guys came to this office as, uh, as a boyfriend, girlfriend? I don't know if children still use those terms to describe each other. Polyamorous pals or whatever it is? Um, no, it just started recently, about maybe three months ago. Oh, okay. And, uh, and uh, uh, it is a secret from your office right, right now? That's correct. How did it, be, how did it begin? What was, well, your first, me, what was your first Let me just day? say that... Let me say that there is one All person right. in our office who knows, who actually uh, was made aware of the fact by Sarah. Oh, interesting. And Sarah, were you, you are obligated then to bring them into a three-way? <laughs> I'm sorry, a what? <laughs> um, were you obligated to bring that other person into a three-way to keep the secret within the group? Sure, I'm, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the term. Yes, no, you have to understand they're only 24 years old, Scott. They don't know our old hippie terms. A, three, a, th- a three-way... Uh, I'm sorry, to, an Eiffel Tower. To contemporary, to contemporary 24-year-olds, a three-way is known as Wednesday. Yeah, we've had a few of those. Oh, uh, oh you've enjoyed is, a few... No, wait, let me ask you. You've enjoyed is, a few... Sorry, is that life? true? Have you had uh, one of those? A Wednesday? A Wednesday? I have no clue what we are talking about. <laughs> So you started dating uh, a few months ago. How did how did it come to pass that you guys uh, that you guys made a pass at each other? Did you go out on a date? Oh well. Do you um, know what a date I guess is? Sarah started spending a lot of time in my cube. Mm-hmm. Oh lord. Um, I this- think then we started to spend some time outside of work. Um, I'd say the first date we went on was um, at a pretty amateur. Uh, stand-up comedy joint uh, over in the Richmond. We live in San Francisco. Okay. Um, so the Richmond is a, a place a little bit less traveled in the city. And so we went to this amateur stand-up joint. Sarah was the only woman in the audience at the time. And so a bunch of the stand-up comics liked, uh, liked to look at us and, and to, try to try to get us in on the act. And so at, in one of the performances, somebody asked if we were dating. Uh, and I basically responded. I said, not yet. And I think that's when things may have gotten a little bit more real. Is that indeed, Sarah, when things got a little bit more real? Uh, yes. Right. He's, he's speaking truthfully. Now, you want to keep, you, you have already taken one person in the office into your confidence, but you want to hold it there. Why? Well, initially, I was reluctant to share uh, for professional reasons. I just thought it would be better to to, to not publicize it. But since then, I've just come to realize that I really sort of in, enjoy uh, being a little duplicitous. Mm. And I, I just think it's a bit fun. It's like playing an, a long, ongoing prank. I see. And, uh, and, is, and how many people are in the office? 
Well, we have like people who occupy the same position as us. There's probably about 23 of them. So you're not approaching this from some kind of Randy Cohen ethicist point of view. You just like fooling people and keeping secrets from them? Uh, I wouldn't say that's the entirety of the story, but mm-hmm. it certainly is part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, Ben, meanwhile, you would like to you would like the world to know that you're um, having Wednesdays with your friend uh, Sarah. Sarah, excuse me. Absolutely. And why? Well, I think that some of my best friends in San Francisco work in my office, mm-hmm. um, and I've uh, liked telling them about this new relationship I'm in, but they don't believe it because I can't. Uh, Furnish a Facebook photo. So Ben, mm-hmm. you you would like to tell your 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 office mates because you are out there saying you are in a relationship, but you are uh, unable to reveal the name uh, or identity of the person you're in a relationship with. Which whether you are 24 as you are or as Scott Adsit and I are 29 means the same thing that you are lying, that you have no girlfriend at all, and therefore you are humiliated in front of your friends because you are using the old, I have a secret girlfriend excuse. Is that not so? Uh, That is the case. But, Your your Honor, if I may, I've I've come up with a solution for this Uh that um, Ben doesn't seem to be taking quite seriously. All right, what is the solution? So, well, I I ended up doing this a a week or two ago. I, I brought in a decoy boyfriend. Yes. Um... So I managed to convince one of my friends, um, who I've known for many years, to, you know, to come into the office and be introduced as my boyfriend. And so Ben could do the same thing if he felt so inclined. Let me ask you this. Is your office located in a situation comedy? Is this, <laughs> is this actually an office? Or is your office an art project where you are imitating a situation comedy from the 90s? Like, do you uh, ever do any work? Are you, is, this like, is this the 30 Rock of offices? Decoy you tell us, Scott. <laughs> it sounds like the office of offices. The office of offices, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I apologize, Scott. I didn't mean to malign 30 Rock, one of my favorite shows. Buzz marketing for a show that is over. Anyway, um, uh, 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 I have a thought, Your Honor, please. if I may. Yeah, please. It seems to me, and this may be too obvious to state, that uh, Sarah seems to be the catch in this relationship, as it were, and... Ben would love to be seen with her, while Sarah would rather not be seen or connected with Ben publicly. Uh, 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 Guest bail of Scott adds it, please stop flirting with the litigants. I'm so sorry, Sarah. He's doing this to everyone. <laughs> it's really weird. Rao. Uh, Sarah, who, <laughs> tell me about your decoy. May I, may I respond, Your Honor? Oh, my gosh. It's becoming, it, this is actually becoming a love triangle right here. Go on. I'll, I'll get could, out of the way. Could, could you leave us alone, please? <laughs> I'll, 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 I'd um, like to see where this is going. I'll allow it. So I've actually introduced Ben to a number of my, my closest friends outside of work. So it's not that I'm embarrassed or whatever. I think that he's absolutely fantastic. Do you, do you, when you introduce him, do you introduce him as your cousin from Europe? And do you make him speak in an accent in order to trick those people? No, I introduce him as my man friend. As your man friend. Hmm. All right. But tell me about your decoy boyfriend. I like that a lot. What happened? You got an old friend of yours to come by? Yeah, so he, and he was a friend of mine from school. So nobody really in our office had ever met him before. Um, and I've known him for many, many years. So and, and I, because this is a sitcom, uh, I, and because this is a sitcom, may I presume that your friend is gay? Because that's what would happen in a sitcom. And then he would have to, then he would have to pretend not, that he was having sex with you all the time, but he wouldn't know the terms because it was a 1970s sitcom. Alas, I, I lack that sort of attention to detail. Mm. Um, oh, well. But 
he, uh, so I, I, he and I had a couple conversations, um, and decided that it would be best to go with as much fact as we could. So, mm-hmm. he, you know, he actually told people his name and the place that he worked and everything and came in over lunch and I just walked him around the office and introduced him to people and everyone was really delighted to meet him. <laughs> These are all your friends. And, uh, that, that was it. And I mean, actually, I really was very happy that he came in because it brought me a little bit more leeway. I was able to, you know, extend the prank for a while longer. And like now, you know, I, I can I can say things in the office without raising suspicion. Mm-hmm. It's good. Ben, may I'm, I ask? I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'll allow Ben. It. Thank you. Ben, does it bother you that she's such an adept liar? I can, I'm over it. So you're prepared for a future of chicanery. Well, and- well, let me, let me say that she actually isn't a good liar. Um, we actually had this game going where we would describe our significant other in the office, and it was sort of the case where um, you couldn't lie about the person. You were allowed three lies, but then three strikes and you were out and you lost the game. Um, and so because Sarah has such a, an inadequate poker face, um, she had to resort to bringing in this other person, whereas I could, I could lead on. Uh, having this girlfriend and answering truthfully or with the few lies that I had to give, I could, I could say them with a poker face um, so that people actually believed me. Um, so I, I disagree that uh, Sar is adept at lying. But you're on that was just because people were more inclined to ask me questions and ask a greater number of questions. They were more interested in my prospective boyfriend than Ben's prospective girlfriend. So I don't think that's a fair metric. Why do you think that? So is? you're saying you're defending how good a liar you are in front of your boyfriend. Yes. Well, she's saying that she she thinks she's more interesting than me. No, I'm just saying that you can't. That I think it's unfair to say that I'm not an adept liar. I'm just. I think I was I was sufficiently adept. It was that there was more interest in what what I had to say than at the time than what what you were saying. Do you ever do any work at this office, or is this all just kind of like pranks upon pranks upon pranks? Because I had all these questions laid out as to whether or not you guys were colleagues, whether there was a seniority issue here, uh, whether one of you could fire the other one. Um, but but uh, none of that really is going to affect your, your office life at all, is it? I mean, no one cares about that. You're 24 years old, right? There are no professional ramifications in your office if you guys were to reveal that you were going out, are there? No. In fact, I'd like to, to point to one of the exhibits that I submitted to the court. Very well. Um, if you take a look at Exhibit C, mm-hmm. we, I I've submitted a photograph of two analysts uh, within our firm who used to be public, publicly dating mm-hmm. before one of them moved on to business school. I see. So this, there is a precedent in your office of two analysts in your firm publicly dating and then going on to business school. And this is uh, Alex and Lakshmi dancing. That's true. Which is the, the, name, the name of my new band. Let's see. We also have some pictures here. Exhibit A, everyone at the office is very close. We have four photos of dudes in dockers and button-up shirts doing the chicken dance. Is that correct? That's, that's from the uh, Arrested Development. Oh, okay. Very, very good. And, uh, and then is that a scene from Arrested Development or you're imitating a scene from Arrested Development? Yeah, or the latter. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Because your your office is a television show. Exhibit B. We all go on trips together. Here is a group of analysts on a weekend trip to Big Sur, California. Are you in this photo? Either of you? Uh, I'm in the back row, all the way to the right, with the yellow shirt on. Uh, okay, I see you there. With you got you got, you got your sunglasses and your shirt collar. Is that right? 
That's correct. Okay. Uh, and then we've got Sara in the front row. And uh, let's see, Exhibit D, other employees and relationships are public. Okay, so Sam and Reagan or Regan? Reagan. Reagan. Reagan, and, uh, and, and they are dressed up uh, as each other at the company Halloween party. Sure. And the, and the reason I submitted this piece of evidence mm-hmm. is that um, I think Sarah's best point to keeping the secret is the fact that we can have a lot of fun with this relationship in the office. Um, but my argument is that it can also be a lot of fun even if we're public. For instance, Sam and Reagan had a phenomenal uh, award-winning costume at our recent Halloween party where they dressed up as each other. You guys have fun in this office, don't you? A fair amount, a, yes. Yeah. Do you, and, you, and, do you, and, 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 and is that what it is to be a consultant? Because I'd like to do this. I'd like to do this. I'd like to be young and just going out and on vacations and dressing up as each other and chicken dancing and having sex with one another and occasional Wednesdays on a Wednesday. You know what I mean? Like, this is making me feel really old. Ben, how does it make you feel uh, that, that Sara is treating your relationship like a big prank? Well, I, I, I think to some extent it is a lot of fun. Um, and I see her point. Um, but at the same time, I think that we've reached uh, diminishing marginal returns. And at this point, we can have even more fun if we go public. You didn't have to You didn't have to use economic consultancy language to describe your relationship, did you? Does that come naturally to you? Since, <laughs> since, I've, since I've been hanging out with Sarah more, it has been. I see. Sarah, if not now, when would you announce this relationship to the office? When would be an appropriate time? For you I mean, to get I, for for you that you think would be professionally appropriate and or the most hilarious reveal of all time. I'm I mean, I'm not really sure. I think I'll I I mean the opportunity will present itself. But I would argue that we haven't hit diminishing marginal returns and that um you know the like economies of scale that we could keep going for a very long time and and really build this up for a while. Okay. You, I, mean, I, okay, I will you say that I don't think quants. it's impinged upon our ability to um, partake in activities with our friends or or like in, enjoy other like festivities. I think we can do all of the same things. We just don't like we don't act necessarily. We don't act like a couple when we do things. Okay, you two sexy quants. Do you have a spreadsheet where you can or a graph where you can show me when in the future the the, the returns are going to diminish? Funny that you funny that you mentioned it. Actually, I've. When, Let's Nate when Silver Ben this. and I were discussing project? going out for the first time, I, I made a deck for him, like a, uh, like a slideshow presentation with charts and stuff about our prospective levels of happiness. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't you send was- that in as evidence? I, I didn't think it was particularly relevant to the point of whether or not we should go public. I just, but it was just an example of quanti flirting. So tell me, tell me what was on the deck. Uh, so the, the three part deck, first of which was, uh, under, you know, outlining the, uh, issue at hand to stakeholders, yeah. um, and, uh, the, you know, issue of whether or not that they should date. And then I said, like, I would, then I like outlined what the recommendation was, which was that they engage in a contract, um, that was uh, mutually beneficial. And the data that I had to support that was I had some charts showing increasing happiness over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, exponentially increasing happiness over time. Uh, then I explained in the another part that the way in which we could capitalize on the prospective gain um, was through a series of dates, and I outlined a couple possibilities. And then the last part of the deck was asking for, I was basically saying that our next steps, that we should pick a date, uh, do it, and then iterate. Hey, Scott. Did you just say, um, and then, wait a minute. Based, wait, on wait. What you've, Scott, based on what you just heard, would you like to revise your opinion of who the catch is in this relationship? 
Yeah, <laughs> no, not at all. Sorry is totally the catch. Did you just end that by saying, and then iterate? Yeah. That's the greatest euphemism I've ever heard for anything. <laughs> that makes me so happy. That's so much better than Wednesdays for three, three-way. Well, I absolutely understand why you would like to take this public and, and move forward, Ben, to, a, to a, a romantic IPO as soon as possible. But, Sarah, if I were to rule in your favor, how long, how long would, you want to, uh, would you want me to order Ben to wait? Um, I, I, frankly, the ideal order would just give me the agency to decide when mm. I want to, it to go public. Mm. So if you could, add, if your order was that Ben should do basically, or should uh, agree to whatever I think is right. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that, honestly. Sara, on your deck, beyond the iteration, when you go public, if that's a benchmark in the relationship, does the happiness quotient go up? For you, is it a sharp increase or does it go down? Uh, no, it, it continues to increase over time. So why not go for that now rather than wait for it? Uh, because I think the rate of increase is higher right now, and then the rate of increase will it'll be, still be positive, but it'll slow after we go public. Um, but, uh, Your Honor, I do, I do have a, a perspective idea of how we could go public, right, and, right. and I'd love to get your opinion on it. All right. I will allow it. We could at some point share this this podcast, um, that would be one way, I suppose. I think that, and I imagine it would, I mean, I'd rather, like I said, I'd rather not go public, but if we had to, I think that would be an acceptable way of doing it. It would maintain the, uh, I think the I, flavor I, of good I humor. Understand. I understand what you're doing. I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate what you're trying to do here, which is to use this podcast as a way of announcing your love to your office mates in the most hilarious way possible, and, and you're trying to recruit me into one of your weird dress-up games and, and company outings. Uh, but I, but, I, don't, but I, don't, I, I don't think that that's actually flattering to the court. I think that makes the court very circumspect about how it's going to rule, I'm afraid. Uh, ben, uh, what would you like me to order? Immediate release of, uh, of uh, company records? Uh, I, I think that would that Full would transparency? Be, uh, you want, yeah, you want to release the tax records immediately? That'd, that'd be great. Or a birth certificate, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to go back to my cubicle chamber and, uh, and run the numbers and look at some, uh, look at some uh, spreadsheets, and I will uh, make my decision. I'll be back in a moment. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman leaves the court. And let me ask Ben and Sara, um, do you ever uh, get together in the office? Does anything ever happen behind closed cubicles Absolutely during not. office hours? Absolutely not. Sara, do you agree with that? I, I agree with Ben. And would you, would you ever want that to happen? Is that a fantasy? I think that's inappropriate. Yeah, I think that would be too telling. Oh, that's right. This is going to be played for the whole office. Can we assume that by the fact that everyone will be listening to this at the office that perhaps you're lying right now and you two have really made a mess of things and uh, cleaned it up with some whiteout? Unfortunately, the only euphemisms we respond to are of an economic nature. Well, I just wanted to say that we did take an oath and that uh, there's nothing that we're saying that's, that's false. We're, we're not trying to misrepresent anything. We're, we're just trying to get uh, an honest opinion from the honest facts of the case. Honorable. All right. Well, everyone, please rise as Judge John Hodgman is reentering the court. I think there's something that was said just recently in this case is very telling that when 
I was listening through my, my cubicle when I, was, when I was poking my head over the cubicle so I could listen to you guys while uh, Scott Adsett, guest bailiff, was uh, interrogating you. He said, uh, have you ever engaged in uh, romantic, uh, intimate activity in the office? And Ben immediately said, that would be inappropriate. And, uh, and uh, Sarah said, that would be telling. It's like, I, 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 think, I think you mean that, that would tip your hand, that uh, it, would, it would reveal the secret that you are keeping, that you are uh, having a special man and, girl, man and woman friendship uh, in the office. And that's the thing that really is so unnerving about this, was that uh, sometimes there are cases that just reveal a huge generational gap to me. Um, in the in the sense that when I think about an office romance, I flash back to uh, the '90s when I was working in an office, when the whole issue was around, uh, you know, uh, Michael Crichton novels uh, and the inappropriate use of power within the office and sexual hierarchies within the office. When we're all very serious. Now you guys are in a world where all you're doing is dressing up as each other all the time, making a ton of money, using a lot of weird language that I don't understand and, and, and economic euphemisms, uh, iterating right, left, and center, and it's all a big game to you. And I kind of admire where you guys are coming from emotionally on this, but then there's another part of me which feels that I've never seen such a terrible depiction of callous youth since A Clockwork Orange, which, by the way, is a movie that you can see on an old-timey movie projector sometime. You are going to be judged by an old, old man. And old men do not like to be played with. In the sense that while I agree, Ben, that you, are, you did take an oath to tell the truth, I do have a power that I would not appreciated when I started this podcast, which is that when it is, when it is podcast, the nature of your relationship will effectively be made public no matter what I rule. And Sarah, I was with you all along with regard to your, 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 uh, your, your PowerPoint presentation about the diminishing returns of your, of your relationship or the increasing happiness levels of your relationship. I, and I began to be swayed over to your side of keeping this game going as long as possible for your own amusement and, uh, and your lack of caring for what would happen once all of your f- so-called friends in the office realized you had, been, you had abused their trust for however long you chose to do it. But I cannot grant you the option to extend this as long as you want with re- without regard to what Ben wants. Because even though you are 24 years old, there are human feelings involved in this situation. And even though Ben is a callous fellow... Uh, he's, uh, you're both decent uh, young people, and I, and I think his feelings deserve to be respected. Then you really lost me, I have to say, Sarah, when you started suggesting that maybe the right way to reveal uh, your, uh, your office romance to your office is by making this podcast public, in, in fact, implicating me in one of your crazy chicken dance happy hours. And that is something up with which I will not put. I am not your plaything. I am not part of your sarcastic game on the world. This is an internet court of justice for Cthulhu's sake. Right, uh, guest bailiff Scott adds it? Aye, aye, sir. That's exactly so. And therefore, I have come to a different sort of ruling. I will not, be, I will not play your reindeer games, Sarah, no matter how many incredible uh, 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 multimedia presentations you make. And therefore, I say this. You can let this go on as long as you want, you two. Keep it a secret. But this podcast will not be aired until I have word from both of you. 
that your romance is made public. Only then, and I will need proof, I will need proof from your office mates, Reagan and Sam and Lakshmi and, was it Lakshmi? Alex, all the crazy kids down at the, at the goofball office where you work need to sign off on their affidavit of knowledge that you two are man friend, woman friend. And then and only then will I allow this podcast to go forward. Now who's playing the game? Hey, my droogies. This is the sound of a gavel. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. And there it is. Uh, let me ask the two litigants, how do you feel about the, uh, the verdict today? Sarah? Well, I, uh, I respect uh, the, the judge's wishes. I'm saddened that he thought that, it was, that this was some part of some grand ploy. Um, but I, I think it's a wise ruling. I think you must admit you are a master manipulator, and he is right in thinking that maybe he is being had. I can, I can, ima- I can understand the circumstances under which he would think that. Um, but truly, my, my comment earlier was only that if we were to have to go public, I would hope to do it in an amusing, funny way. And I will say that the judge has set that up. How did you do that? You got me! Oh, I can't believe you tricked me. Of course, you got me again. Oh, my hat is off. Oh. To you. Ben, let me ask you how you how it feels to simply be uh, a means by which John Hodgman feels older. Well, let me just let me just say thank you to the judge. Um, I appreciate what he's done. I think he's put the pressure uh, on Sarah to get this affidavit signed, uh, and I think. Sarah's desire for attention in the office um, will overcome her, re- her reluctance uh, with which uh, she wants to withhold this information. Um, so thank you, Justice John Hodgman. Um, I look forward to getting this affidavit signed uh, and delivered such that we can make this podcast uh, public. I think we need a picture of you guys in the office surrounded by your office mates uh, making out. and that will conclude today's case of coming out of the supply closet i want to thank you both ben and sarah for your time and your concerns thank you scott thank you thank you very much guys good luck to you you're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Stitch Fix. You know that boost of confidence you get when you put on an outfit that just feels good? You know what that's like. That's what I get when I use Stitch Fix. With Stitch Fix, you get a human stylist, not AI. A human being who understands your style, size, and budget. They do all the shopping for you, and it's the easiest way to update your wardrobe this season or any other. This professional stylist picks the clothes. They can either send you a box where anything you don't want is unbelievably easy to return, or they can make a little storefront for you just from stuff that they recommend for your taste and your body. Uh, it, it is 
an absolutely incredible service. They give you styling advice, outfit recommendations, the whole thing soup to nuts. And like I said, if you don't want it, if you don't like it, it is unfathomably easy to send it back. They give you an envelope that's big enough that has the postage and the labels on it. All you have to do is shove the thing in there, close it up, and drop it off at your local mailing center. It is that easy. Can I also say the stuff that my stylist at Stitch Fix picks for me? I really like it. Like, they know me, and it's really terrific. Plus, if you've got small people in your life, sadly, my small people are now adults shopping for themselves. But if you've got little kids, it's a terrific way to to get togs for your kids. Style that makes you feel as you, as you want to look. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. That's stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. Stitchfix.com slash J-J-H-O. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura Frames. Hey, Mother's Day is coming up. Do you have a mom in your life that you'd like to celebrate? There are very few better ways than giving an Aura frame to someone you care about. These are beautifully Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos of your memories with your mom, stepmom, mentor, friend, uh, whatever it is in your life who might enjoy seeing photos from your life. Aura frames are the way to go. Judge, there's a very special mom in my life, Ms. Teresa Thorne. Yes. Uh, that's my wife and also a, a whole human being in her own right. Guess what's guess what's on her bedside table? Yes, that's right. You guessed it in one, an aura frame. <laughs> what I love about the aura frame is you don't have to load a bunch of stuff onto an SD card or whatever, like with the old digital frames. It is so easy to get the pictures on there. So like when Teresa texts me a cute picture of one of our children or our dog, uh, or one of our siblings texts us a cute picture of one of them or one of their children. Uh, all I have to do is hit that share button on my phone and I can share it right to the frame and then it lives there for as long as I want. I can also take it off whenever I want, but I don't even have to open the Aura Frames app, which is a great app, but I don't right. even have to go there. It just goes straight into wherever I want it, uh, whichever frame I want, or I have multiple Aura Frames in my house or all of them. Uh, it is incredibly easy. That's why Wirecutter chose it as the best digital photo frame. That's why it's one of Oprah's favorite things. Uh, it is guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use the code Hodgman at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, this is Biz, and this is the final season of One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. This is going to be a year of celebrating all that makes this podcast and this community magical. I'm so glad that I found your podcast. I just cannot thank you enough for just being the voice of reason as I'm trying to figure all of this out. Thank you and cheers to your incredible show and the vision you had to provide this space for all of us. This is still a show about life after giving life. And yes, there will be swears. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. And as always, you are doing a great job. 
All right, class, tomorrow's exam will cover the extinction and de-extinction of the dodo, PowerPoint as an art form, and the history of Eurovision. Any questions? Uh, yes, you in the back. Uh, what is this? It's the podcast Let's Learn Everything, where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I study cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher for intermediate emojis. My name's Caroline, and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation, and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology, so obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? <laughs> no. <laughs> obviously not. No. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, Judge. Hi, Scott. Oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you finish doing that? <laughs> it's just someone someone ate my Greek yogurt. And someone moved my cheese, which is a reference that makes me realize how old I am. And then I was thinking I feel like Michael Douglas in the game, and now I feel even older. Oh, it's been a bad day. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a bad day. It's been an interesting day. But at least I'm getting my flagstones cut. What's well, maybe up? this will make you feel younger. We have some uh, docket clearing to do. I hope you can get it done now. Do we have time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah abs- Absolutely. All right, well, uh, here's a case here. Jessica writes, My best friend and I made an agreement. He promised to stop smoking cigarettes if I promised to stop drinking soda. The problem is that we didn't agree on the definition of soda up front. Now that we're hashing this out, it seems as though there's a spectrum of sugary drinks that may or may not count as soda. Does flavored water count as soda? Sparkling fruit juice. Very low calorie or low sugar soda? <laughs> like, I'm not even following this. Hang on. No, I think I understand where this is going. Let's keep going. All right. I think she means diet soda. By, by low sugar soda? That's what she means. Diet soda. Very low calorie or low sugar soda? Diet soda. Is there an established set of criteria I can use to assess if a drink is a soda? Mm-hmm. We do agree that soda has to be carbonated. That's a good place to start. Please mediate this argument so that both of us can uphold our agreement and make more healthful choices. Well, first of all, the fa- <laughs> you're, you're having an agreement in which one person gives up cigarettes in return for the other person giving up soda is, I think, the definition of asymmetrical warfare. Mm-hmm. I, would never, I would never have agreed to that at all, having, being a former sno- smoker myself. Uh, there is no equivalency between those two habits, though I agree that drinking soda is gross and you're not nine years old anymore, so stop it. Unless you're a nine-year-old, in which case, go on. Enjoy. Um, but if- and no one has uh, established or requested a definition of smoking here in this situation either. Uh, well, smoking cigarettes, I think, is, uh, is understood to be smoking uh, cigarettes of marijuana. Uh, it is a marijuana thing? I don't know. I don't think so. I think smoking cigarettes is pretty clear. It's, apparently it's not. Well, in any case, uh, I've said it before and I will say it again. Do not make high stakes agreements with your friends, whether it is agreeing to quit smoking or as high stakes as betting that your friend cannot get you to say your own name backwards until you really lay out the specifics and hammer it out ahead of time. Because there are too many loopholes. If you stop drinking the classic sodas, uh, your Pepsis, your uh, your Cokes, your uh, your Moxies, your Cheerwines, and then start drinking uh, 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 tons of uh, orange juice 
uh, with uh, seltzer water in it, that's not so much different. You get a little bit, get a little bit less scurvy with that, but it's mm. still the same. You know what I mean? And meanwhile, your friend can be off there smoking a hookah because he agreed to stop smoking cigarettes. So get this uh-huh. stuff in writing first. Look through all the loopholes. And in the meantime, I can only interpret this in the commonsensical way. You both agreed to give up the thing that you didn't want to do anymore and that you did too much. So smoking cigarettes is clear. Stop smoking cigarettes. In terms of soda, I don't care what it is you drink. You obviously had a problem drinking a particular kind of thing, probably Coke. If that's what you had the problem with, stop doing that. If it's not that, Coke, by the way, is a generic term for all soda if you live in Atlanta. That's what I'm making reference to. You understand that, Scott? I get it, sir. I could have easily said pop or tonic. You know what I mean? You ever say soda pop? No. <laughs> I'm not a fool. <laughs> I don't. I believe in regionalisms of all kind, but not redundant ones. Uh, if you were drinking Diet Coke all day long, definitely stop that, because I like Diet Coke from time to time, but that's too much is gross and terrible for you. Is there you... aspartame in there? It's got that aspartame. It's got a lot of chemicals in it. You know what I mean? It tastes like chemicals. You should drink water. You should drink water, and you should drink uh, carbonated water, and occasionally gin, and then hold it there, okay? You're not a child anymore. Don't drink too much juice. Don't drink too much soda pop. Don't drink too much of that stuff. Be a grown-up about your hydration, okay? You ever call it gin liquor? (laughs) Uh, No, I've never called it gin liquor. Where is that? Where have you heard that? I, I haven't. Huh. I thought I was trying to start something. All right. Well, it starts right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. From now on, drink gin liquor responsibly. Water, carbonated water, lightly flavored carbonated waters. And for your friend, don't smoke cigarettes and don't smoke a hookah because you don't want to be a jerk. Next question. We have another one here from Vonish. And Vonish writes... My girlfriend Rebecca and I have a long-distance relationship and often only see each other on weekends. I would like an order that we spend some of that time watching NFL football. I believe it is important for both parties in a relationship to share each other's passions. My girlfriend is a huge TV and movie buff, and we spend many hours watching her favorite programs and movies. My favorite activity on a Sunday is watching football. I've offered to explain the game and some of the players' backstories. Football watching would be beneficial to her as she is one going into a male-dominated profession of law in a major city and two she's from the dc area which is finally experiencing some hope in football with robert griffin iii i have offered to explain all of this to her as well another redundancy by the way my girlfriend purports to love fall well judge john hodgman i ask you what can be more fall than watching football on a chilly Sunday afternoon. I appreciate your assistance on this matter. I don't know how Vanish could have possibly gotten this email address. <laughs> did you not meet him at a tailgate party? That's true. I forgot. I forgot. We did We did meet at the Yale-Harvard game. And you both won. That's true. I don't know who Robert Griffin III is, and I never will. And I don't know how Vanish could have possibly thought that I would rule on this case in his favor knowing anything about me or the one thing about me which is I neither care for nor understand football let me explain football to you oh here we go my parents have season tickets to the Bears game in Chicago 
And uh, they would take me every week as a child, and I would sit in the second row on the 48-yard line, prime spot, and I would proceed to get frostbite on my toes and my lips and my eyeballs. For four hours straight, I would sit there waiting for the game to be over because it was very uncomfortable to sit there. And if I ever had any love of football, it vanished like the air coming out of my lungs into smoke because I, at this point, only associate football with discomfort. I appreciate that your explanation of football to me involved explaining how much you dislike football because that is not usually what happens when people try to explain football to me. Look, love what you love. I can appreciate that you love football. You ask me what is more fall than watching football on a chilly Sunday afternoon. Anything, anything is more fall. All right, let me, uh, let's, why don't we approach this a different way though? He has his passions, you have yours. How would you tell him to, uh, if his passion was watching Doctor Who every Sunday, how would you have him approach that problem? Yeah, if your passion is watching Doctor Who every Sunday and you have, and you only see your girlfriend on Sundays, don't watch Doctor Who. That's how far I would go. That's the whole point. Look, you can't make people love what you love. And I'll tell you something right now. No one has ever made me fall in love with them by explaining football to me. I've only ever I've only ever fallen into bitter resentment that way. And you can love football a lot, and she can love her movies a lot, but honestly, if you're only seeing each other on weekends, go do something that you both love together. Instead of trying to for- don't even watch television for heaven's sakes. You know there's something else you can do. I dare say. You can cut some flagstones, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, so, no, you can't compel someone to watch football. Even even if I felt, even if I felt, even if you were talking about Doctor Who, I would say the same thing. Think of it this way, Vanish. What if Scott adds it were right? What if you loved Doctor Who, and for you it was a it was a tradition to watch Doctor Who on on a on a crisp autumn afternoon, and you were writing in to me saying. Should, shouldn't I offer to explain to my girlfriend the the particular wardrobes and personalities of all 11 Doctors Who? Wouldn't that make her like it? Just imagine yourself saying that and imagine yourself being as unkissable in that moment as you would be. Don't do it. Don't force it. Just let just be with your girlfriend. Yeah, just pretend to like whatever garbage she's interested in. No, 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 don't do that either. I think you guys no, should turn no. off turn off the TV and take and take a take a walk around and look at some foliage and do other fall things. Go on a turkey hunt or whatever. Shared a, experience. Go on a hayride. Stop watching so much TV, everybody. <laughs> yeah, get on that computer and start listening. <laughs> yeah, why don't you share some of your favorite podcasts? <laughs> Well, thank you, Judge. I think uh, I think you've answered his question there. Oh, I, I just yelled at that time. I just yelled. It's fine, though. Thank you very much, guest bailiff Scott Adsit. Uh, I have been your guest bailiff, Scott Adsit. Thank you for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. What a pleasure. Scott Adsit, everybody. And the court may sit back down. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville.
You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at gosuperego.com. You can find John Hodgman online at areasofmyexpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.